The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Saturday, October 12, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at the GorillaPosition.com. Presented by Hamid Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking the WWE Draft, the Wednesday Night Wars, some ROH Glory by Honor, and New Japan's King of Pro Wrestling, assuming it happens and it's not wiped out by a typhoon. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, full-blown sinus infection and all. That's my tag team partner, the guy who had to spend an hour in the jacuzzi, had to drink a bottle bottle of whiskey just to drown his sorrows of Charlotte losing her 10th WWE Women's Championship. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the crack spider, the promoter, the real RBD. Rick, defend this shit. Well, first of all, fall weather has finally settled into the great state of the OHIO. And before Jericho, before MJF, I was an OG scarf guy. So the scarfs are back out. It's me, it's me. It's that order of the to the Rick Victory back again to hitting the most pro wrestling podcast. And Jargo, hey, we are already lining up. We're, we're making arrangements for the next celebration because what's better than 10? It's 11 because it means you're not just number one once, you're number one twice. It's 1-1 one, one, and that's what we're looking forward to. Coming up down the line is that next championship in pursuit of her father. So hey, it's a little bit of a setback, but we know there's greener pastures ahead. We are ready for number 11 for God's greatest gift to the world, the precious Shar Shar. She's getting awful close to Sasha Banks ta- territory. I think this is uh, the third time in a row that she has lost the championship in her first defense. I, I think it's just Andrade. She's Andrade's got her completely off of her game, man. God, she looked like hell last night, dude. I don't know what in the world is going on with Charlotte Flair right now, but she looked like hell last night. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, we've talked about this before. And I was, I think, maybe I was the first one to even mention out there across, you know, whatever platform. You know, really, ever since she got into that relationship, I mean, things have really changed for her. She seems off her game, especially in in her delivery. You know, in on the mic, uh, her ring work at times seems that she's not really all there or that focused. Uh, it, really not all that put together right there. Uh, maybe she's just got to recenter herself, you know, find, find that focus, get back on track. Uh, but yeah, it seems like she's all over the place. And, and I won't say it's just necessary the relationship, but it, I mean, that timing is kind of funny, but then they, they're really pushing her and maxing her out on that PR trail as well. But she is doing a lot of pub for this company and she might be spreading herself a little too thin. I did not understand the dynamic last night. Uh, with Bailey and Charlotte. This is really the only thing from SmackDown I I even have any desire to talk about other than who went where. Um, uh, People are so excited that we finally got the Bailey heel turn 
And it's like, dude, the Bailey heel turn happened like three weeks ago when she bashed Becky Lynch over the back with a chair. It's just we actually got the cosmetics now, and she took out the wacky waving inflatable tube men. Um, I, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand it as far as the narrative goes. I didn't understand it as far as the optics go. And I don't understand it as far as the reception has been. Uh, I, I think the biggest missed opportunity was last night when Bailey got on the mic. Instead of telling everybody, screw you, she t- just told everybody to go hug yourself. Well, I think, and I'm with you 100% on that. I'm, I'm really surprised that everyone's like, oh, it's been a long time coming. We finally get the heel turn. I had the same reaction as you. It's like, where the hell have you people been? I understand people have been tuning out left and right. So maybe they were one of those, you know, those fans, those viewers that have not been paying attention. But this is this was weeks ago. I mean, this is a month ago. Where have you been? Right upon Sasha's return, Bailey aligned herself with her friend, and we know the direction they were going in. I actually, and I liked where they, what they were doing, what they've done with these two, building them this way. And I think a lot of people are missing the point of what type of heels that they are. They are the stereotype brat millennials right now that are throwing te- temper tantrums and they're pouting. They're not getting their way. I think they confused that a little bit last night, trying to go with a little bit darker side to Bailey. You, you bring up the temper tantrum thing and they were putting that over on commentary that after she lost the women's championship to Charlotte, that Bailey went on this crazy temper tantrum. All I remember is Bailey sitting there disappointed. Like, I didn't see Bailey throw any temper tantrum. Did you see Bailey throw a temper tantrum? Yeah, absolutely. She did what my what my four year old nephew does. He gets this little pouty freaking look on his face and starts this fake cry because he's not getting his damn way. Didn't get what he wanted. That's what I took from it. That's what exactly what it reminded me of. Okay, we we clearly have two very different definitions of temper tantrums. Because when Quinn throws a temper tantrum, it's like shit starts flying across the room. Doors start getting slammed and faces start getting screamed at. Like it's, it's a it's a it's a prelude prelude to it. You know, you start with that right there, and it leads into this this grand production where their arms are flailing around and they're on the floor and they're kicking and screaming. And as you said, shit's flying. I mean, there's different stages and phases as you're moving towards. And I thought, and I took it as that was the early signs of it. That was the beginning of it. So basically what you're saying is they gave us six months of creative in six minutes. Uh, that would, that would be an excellent way to describe that, sir. Yeah. I wonder where I've heard that before. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the draft here, Huckleberry. Um, Night one is in the books, and I actually have seen people saying that this is exactly what they wanted from the WWE draft, that they got the sports-like presentation, that they absolutely nailed this thing. And then I talked to somebody that's not the professor, Chabella Vera Cruz, and <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. I, I don't even know where to begin. This thing was so bad. I had a friend of mine who is a casual fan, and he sent me this following message as uh, we were watching SmackDown last night. This came approximately 53 minutes into the show. This draft is the worst fucking thing I've ever watched. God damn. I think that pretty much sums it up right there. Uh, I need you to go ahead, uh, get this gentleman's resume uh, and the sample that you have there. Forward that over to uh, Ryan K. Bowman 
or Jamie Greer, because obviously we, we have a, a blossoming great wrestling journalist on our hands here, because that pretty much sums it up right there. And you're talking, I, I know the professor, he's probably defending this thing. He's trying. He's trying. This is another case where, okay, they had, they were, man, they, they, they were in the right direction. But once again, they muddle it up by just being the WWE. Here's what this, if you want to say that in professor's defense was, oh, this was just like sports, they nailed it. That's like saying that the first go around of the XFL was like football and they nailed it. Yeah. Because they, they just turned it into an absolute circus and a clown show. Uh, pretty much embarrassing. Uh, I, I I was trying, man. I was like, okay, this, yeah, this is what WWE thinks the NFL draft is like. And then, like, when they showed everybody, like, just ecstatic inside of the Raw War Room when they drafted Natalia in the third round. And they acted like it was they they just got fucking Hulk Hogan. I I just I don't understand it. Well, I I really like how you put it. You know, before we started recording, we're kind of getting our notes together. We're, we're prepping for the show. And you know, I'd mentioned it, it reminded me of a scene from The Office, and you were quick to correct me. The Office has more credibility than what we saw. I mean, that was an absolute joke. And you're comparing, like, they think that's what the NFL draft is. That is what is so just perplexing about this thing is you don't have to, this, this isn't all creative. You're, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a blueprint laid out there for you. Just copy exactly what they do. And you would have been fine. Yeah. That it, I To me, I don't understand how they screw this up. Like, this is the easiest thing that they could possibly do. I, it, it just baffles me. And even like, I even understood Stephanie McMahon as like coming out to announce the first pick, like all Roger Goodell style, but she was so pandering to that audience throughout the entire night. Like it didn't even feel like that was Stephanie McMahon. That was not the traditional Stephanie McMahon character that we're used to seeing on the TV show. And and I, I'm with you there. You know, when she came out there, I kind of got that feel. You know, this is like the commissioner. If it's Goodell, if it's over, coming out there to open the thing up. The draft is now open. Um, we already knew who was on. Raw, you're on the clock. Or, uh, yeah, Raw, you're on the clock. Well, it all came down to that first match between Seth Rollins right. and Roman Reigns, which brings in a whole nother clusterfuck of terrible of course, creative I mean, decisions. But Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, I, I, here's one thing I did like about that, and I think the NFL should adapt and adopt that rule, is we should take the, the top prospects, the four, top four or five prospects, or it may be the top ten, and they're all going into a gladiator-style battle royale. And the winners there, they don't have to go to the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Bengals, or the Jets. <laughs> I mean, so even, I, I think that would work. Even just in, like, even if they would have went with a clean finish and had either Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns win that first match for the number one pick, why would either one of them want to win that match? Right. Uh, like, like, like inside of the narrative, inside of the psychology, why would either one of those guys want to win that match? You know, I could see, you know, even with that, you could at least turn something on. Okay. If you win for your brand, you get to choose where you go. That gives you an incentive. 
at least somewhere in there, you know? But right, the way they set it up, why? Why would you care? I mean, because you could be moving yourself. Yeah, it, it just didn't make any logical sense at all, especially from Roman Reigns' perspective. So here's how the rosters kind of shake out right now. On Monday Night Raw, round one, they took Becky Lynch, all of the OC, so they get AJ Styles and Anderson and Gallows, as well as Drew McIntyre, first round pick that we haven't seen, you know, on WWE TV for what, two months? Three months. Uh, round two, they pick up Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Bobby Lashley. Round three, Alexa Bliss, all by herself. And that told me Nikki Cross is clearly going to SmackDown because they had made it clear inside of the rules that executives could split up a tag team if they only wanted half of the tag team. But, of course, in round four, they would take Nikki Cross, so that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Kevin Owens, Natalia. They also pick up the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits from NXT, making the jump officially to Monday Night Raw. Rick, this does not read as a very impressive show to me. And I'll be completely honest, when I look at the SmackDown roster thus far, that doesn't look like a very good show to me either. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, you know, inside of this draft here, we're talking about just, uh, the cosmetics, you know, how it kind of looked and they're presenting here, but getting to the very basics, the foundation of the rules were so confusing and they weren't telling the audience what was going on here. I mean, you're looking at some of these names and you're like, well, how the hell are these people moving? And I guess what you go ahead and explain what the hell this situation was here, because to me, I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. I mean, it's, I mean, pretty much was, okay, uh, day one of the NFL draft, no one from the Pac-12 is eligible to be taken. You you have to save those for uh, Saturday. Yeah, what they did is they put out two lists of quote-unquote superstars that were draft eligible. So there was a, a Friday night SmackDown pool, and then there was the Monday night raw pool. So basically what they would have done is they would have taken all of the college football players and then split them in half and said, this half goes on day one and this half goes on day two. So both days have the equal amount of star power to draw the same television rating. Like just in concept alone, this doesn't make any sense but then they didn't even explain it to the audience watching the show. So as this whole thing unfolds, everybody's like, you mean to tell me that nobody's taken fucking Brock Lesnar yet? Nobody's taken Seth Rollins yet? Natalia and Lacey Evans are off the board, but nobody's taken Charlotte yet? Really? You have to actually tell the audience, surprisingly, WWE... The 4 million people that watched SmackDown last Friday, they don't go to your fucking Twitter account. They don't go to the .com. They don't read all the dirt sheets. That's a very, 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 very small group of individuals. And they just never bothered to tell people what in the fuck was going on. And this goes back to what we've seen. This is a a, a reoccurring issue through any of their shakeups, their drafts, whatever they, they want to try to dub them as. They don't explain what's going on. And even through you know, their own website, through the dirt sheets, it was still very vague about how this thing was going to work. We still don't even know who the hell is making these picks, do we? 
No, it, evidently it was uh, the the Asian lady in the Ultimate Warrior face paint, or maybe it was Cletus the robot. I, I, again, you know, it's just so confusing. And and what is is so frustrating with this entire situation is there was no need to reinvent the wheel. You have the NBA and the NFL who are so successful at this. They've already laid it out. You just have to mimic what they do. It's it's not rocket science. Just it, it's so incredibly perplexing to me. So here's what SmackDown took: Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, Sasha Banks, Braun Strowman, Lacey Evans, The Revival, Lucha House Party. I don't even know how many guys are in the Lucha House Party. What is that? Three, four? Uh, like two and a half, two and a half men, maybe. Um, and then they also took heavy machinery. Um, this doesn't read like a very good show either. This reads like a, a slightly better show. At least you have like Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. You have uh, Braun Strowman that you can throw into things. But Rick, I was thinking about this as I was watching the show and kind of looking at how these rosters are shaking out. Didn't Fox want the more athletic presentation? And they brought in Roman Reigns. Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman. Uh, that's that's your men's singles division at this point. Uh, the women's division, you have Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans. And in the tag division, you have the Revival. I, I'll give you that one. And then you also have Lucha House Party and Heavy Machinery. That does not read like a very athletic presentation of professional wrestling to me. Well, you know, the revival and then Lucha House Party, I think they, they've got a great thing there for Fox. Uh, you hit that that demographics. Yep. You know, I, you're I absolutely expect Mysterio to go to SmackDown too. The the Hispanic uh households. Rey Mysterio would be a tremendous, tremendous grab for them there. Uh but you're absolutely right. And one of these that really stand out to me in your positioning SmackDown in a sporting block. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of legit sports. And you want to be able to have that blend in there. What really jumps out to me, kind of a head scratcher, is including Bray Wyatt in there. And believe me, hey, I, I love my my over-the-top characters and personas in professional wrestling. I absolutely love it. But when you're looking at, you know, that is the direction. That's what they want to present this thing is. I mean, he is the exact opposite of that. We have that, you know, that opening match to decide who's going to get that first pick last night. And then you're sitting there and you get that screwy finish with the coming up through the ring and the smoke. Again, it just seemed like you didn't do you're not doing any kind of positive service towards that fiend character, towards Seth Rollins by pulling these antics in that spot, especially when you're trying to pull off what you think is a legit sports draft. And you're putting, you're interjecting this into that situation. It just doesn't fit. I'm not absolutely, I'm not absolutely knocking the direction there. It just didn't belong in the puzzle at that point. You're, you're trying to, you know, it's like you're you're trying to force a square into a round, a round hole. It, it didn't make sense to me. I really think overall, I know you don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, this WWE hot garbage. But this just reinforced my belief What I've been anyone that would listen to me, any show I've been on, this draft idea, this hard brand split between these networks, this is an absolute terrible idea. You've already laid out here what we've seen in this first pool. They're not reading like great shows. These are not must-see rosters. 
this is absolute just a terrible idea all around. You want to have on either show for either network, you want to be giving them the, the best possible odds for the highest possible ratings. And you do that by putting your top stars on each program, not putting a divide in your roster. This is just a terrible move by WWE. Undrafted that was actually in the SmackDown pool. There are a couple of interesting names that are now considered free agents that can sign with either show. Cesaro, Shorty G, otherwise known as Chad Gable. Don't even get me started on that freaking bullshit. Uh, EC3, which is another one. Don't even get me started on that bullshit. Uh, Humberto Carrillo, Akira Tozawa, Sankara, Eric Young, Heath Slater, Drew Gulak, Tamina, and the B-Team. Those were the names that were eligible last night that were not drafted. Um, I don't know what the hell they're doing with Chad Gable, man. I mean, the, the Chad Gable thing just absolutely baffles me. I We were talking off air. I said the only one of these that, to me, like really stands out is Cesaro. And you pointed out that Cesaro is basically a loser on the main roster now. He might as well go to NXT UK. He would be much better utilized over there. EC3 is a lost cause at this point. I mean, like, the the only good thing about EC3 is they haven't really defined him down because they haven't defined him at all. Like, he hasn't even been on TV long enough to enjoy a glass of water. Absolutely. It, going back to the Gable thing here, and I, in their mind, they're probably like, oh, it's, we're giving this nickname. It's endearing. People are going to are gonna rally around him. Yeah, you, you know what? They might for a little bit, but ultimately it's just going to label him as a loser. Yeah. Um. Was there anything on that show last night? If you do not like pro wrestling, if you are not a pro wrestling fan and you tuned in to watch that show last night, is there anything to make you want to come back and watch it next week? I'll see your questionnaire and up the odds here. I am a pro wrestling fan and there was absolutely nothing on that show that has me interested to come back next week. There was very, the only thing that really had me even hooked from the, the debut week was the draft to see how they were going to present this thing and how they were going to handle it. They completely botched the shit out of this thing. So now I, right now you look at the week that we have a pro wrestling programming. There are some tremendous programs out there. Some things that we're really looking forward to. I got to say right now, probably at the bottom of that list is Friday Smackdown. And believe me, I can find a million things to do on a Friday night besides dedicating my time to have to sit there and watch this program right now. Hey, my heart goes out to uh, the wrestling redneck and big Ray because they have been, they have been burdened with the, the task over on the homie media group of covering this, just freaking hot garbage. And the thing that was so disappointing, and I knew this was going to be hot cop garbage. I knew it. I mean, we, we, we talked about it going into the damn thing that they were going to screw this up. But yesterday afternoon, they gave me this tiny sliver of hope that maybe they were going to get this thing right. Did you watch this press conference? I did. And you know what? I'm with you. I, from that and when Stephanie first stepped out on that stage, I was I was high on this thing. Like, you know what? They're going to do this. They're going to pull this off. They actually got it. Boy, were we wrong. But I, I like the press conference. The I, I mean, 
there are things inside of the press conference that I absolutely hated. Like I, I could have done without Hunter putting over Saudi Arabia right off the top of the damn thing. Yeah, I didn't think that Kane necessarily looked great or talked all that well. Uh, the the awkward stare down between Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar, you know, probably should have been more of a pull apart. But in the cosmetics, in the presentation, they got it right. And I had this small sliver of hope. Holy shit, they're going to knock this draft thing out of the freaking park tonight. And then they put out that show. And I was just like, what? And I'm right back to being, why do I watch this? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would really love to know, go behind the scenes here. Maybe we can reach out to somebody uh, like our friend over at Last Word on Pro Wrestling, William Alicia, to see if, you know, figure out who was producing these things. Who was in charge of the production? Because uh, I almost got a sense that it was actually maybe Fox, Fox Sports Department handling what we saw in the press conference uh, with a little bit of inside of it. You know, you had WWE like with, you know, handling the wrestlers and how that was presented. But the production seemed just so over the top. It was tremendous. I mean, you got that got that legit vibe it was ufc style they did a ufc style press conference and it was awesome i want to know who was handling that as opposed to who okayed and thought that this this formula for this draft was going to get over yeah this was just it was so poorly executed uh so brock lesnar versus kane velasquez kane announces that he is going to be citizen kane now he's moving in with the wwe it's a multi-year deal it's going to be a full-time deal quote unquote full-time kind of like brock lesnar is full-time and ronda rousey is full-time uh and then we're also going to get braun Strowman versus tyson fury um i haven't heard anything but i'm assuming this is going to be a one-off is that where you're at with it, too? I'm with you as well. Just something uh, they needed an over-the-top spectacle, uh, had some money to spend over there, and they went and got this deal done. So, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I, I don't like these matches happening in Saudi Arabia, but I wouldn't like them happening at WrestleMania either, you know? I guess, I guess we got to look and see how Kane is going to be handled going forward at this point. Well, here's, you know, if... Is he included in either one of these draft pools? No. Okay, I was just wondering, you know, because as you said, you know, it looks like he's going to be sticking around on whatever kind of deal it is, but is Ronda included in a draft pool? No, she is not. Um, as is nobody that is injured. So, like, Samoa Joe is not in either one of the draft pools. There, There is a list of people that are not even eligible for the draft. All of them on that list. Okay, and you know what? I, we, we've been we've been jumping all over them here. We're, we've been down on them. That is an aspect that I like because if they can properly utilize that free agent pool to create some surprises for returns and things like that, uh, that will create a little bit of interest. When I look at Raw, still th- th- this is the Raw draft pool, at least the top part of it. Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Charlotte Flair. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura, Alistair Black, all of the New Day, Daniel Bryan, Bailey, The Miz, Ali, King Fuckface, Elias, um, Rudolph, Kabuki Warriors, Rusev, Rey Mysterio, R-Truth, Carmella, AOP, Paulo Cruz, Andrade, Jinder Mahal. 
But I mean, I, there's still some good names. I mean, it's I mean, that's that's a stronger pool than what we saw presented on Friday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, like it, it seems like Raw got loaded up when you look at the two shows. Well, uh, looking back here at at who's got who and how we see things, uh, you know, the lay of the land here on night one of this draft. I look at these free agents. You could take this this group of individuals who that were left undrafted in that first pool. You could give them a two-hour, one-hour program with Ben Hameen in charge of creative, and I would take that show over what we saw from SmackDown or Raw on night one. Yep. So let's talk about wrestling that we actually did like. Let's talk about the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, ratings are in. Uh, got a little bit of in-depth perspective. Uh, I, I know that you were on uh, the the Dynamite show with uh, Matthew Schaffer Gage and Billy Ray Valentine. There was way too many initials on that show for my taste. Between AEW, MSG, BRV, RBV, BVD. Oh, we had uh, you had you had the MSG with the with the BRV to the Professor AOC to the RBV talking AEW on the HMG. Jeez, God, makes my brain want to explode. Both AEW Dynamite and NXT on USA down this week. Um, were you surprised by that up against, you know, the Nationals and Dodgers game? I mean, that takes a hell of a chunk out of the viewership right off the top, especially in an elimination game. Obviously, I mean, you had you had two elimination games. So people are high on baseball. So and they're going to be riding that through it. Great, you know, the first game there was more of a shocker to see what the, the Cardinals did to the Braves there. But, you know, people stay tuned in. I, I saw the ratings for that. It maintained throughout, and they were transitioning that into the big late game there, which was an absolute thriller and stunner, if you will. I know we're going to be talking, hitting that on uh, hashtag HTM Sports and what that means for Major League Baseball and, and advertising and television and the marketplace. An absolute stunner there. Yeah, people were locked in. They were locked in for baseball. It, you expect anyway, coming out of week one, you're going to kind of see a little bit of that decline. Uh, and now they're going to settle in these next few weeks here as we as we round out the month of October. This is really going to define and, and really set the standard for their ratings, of course. Uh, and I, you would hope here, I think that they need to keep throughout the rest of this month, they need to find themselves kind of going between that week one rating and this current rating. You don't want to continue to dip at this point. So... I've seen the TNT number reported and it is a bit misleading on TNT AEW down to 1.018 million from 1.409 on USA NXT down to 790,000 from 891. But AEW was simulcast on true TV in case the baseball game on TBS got bumped and ran on TNT for a little while. So the viewership is actually skewed a little bit. Counting TNT Live, the immediate TNT replay, the True TV simulcast, all that shit, live, same night, DVR, this week's Dynamite viewership was 1.503 compared to 1.832. So they did go down about 300,000 viewers, but it's not nearly as bad as that TNT number alone during that first run makes it out. How, how long did it run on true? Uh, they ran the entire broadcast. Oh, they did. Okay. They, they, they just ran a true simulcast. So that way there would be no issue. If you started watching on true, you could just stay there. Okay. And there was probably some individuals. Hey, I'm locked in right now. I'll, I'll just stay here on this one. Yep. Uh, and it, it was, you know, it was good to have the network support on that, especially so early in, in the run for the program that they would step up to, uh, to take care of them here. 
this is not going to be a regular thing. The true simulcast is only happening if there is a risk of a cascade of TBS TNT issues due to the early baseball game running long. So we may have to deal with it this week again. And after that, it's done. Although Fox has already come out and said this could be an issue for Friday Night Smackdown, given the World Series is on Fox. And you want to talk about a drop in the viewership. You take that show off of Fox and you put it onto FS1, you're, then you're really going to see what that SmackDown audience is and what is casual viewers who don't give a shit. Yeah, you're going to see a, a huge drop in. And, and it's actually not just a possibility. There is an official date. There is a World Series game scheduled for a Friday evening. So it is going to happen. Uh, obviously, I guess I guess maybe they could avoid that if, if there's a sweep or something. I think it's later in the series. That's what you were saying, the potential of. Um, speaking of the AEW, we will see this again coming up in March for uh, the NCAA tournament is is yep. they run. Uh, yeah, it would be only once, though. I believe the only time they run on that it Wednesday be that would first be round, the opening round, yep. the, the play in games, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, we will see them moved at that point. Uh, we could see this happen during um, NBA playoffs, too. Because I think the TNT schedule changes for the playoffs versus that Tuesday, Thursday schedule. So, yes. But I mean, when pro wrestling starts drawing the same ratings that the NBA uh, playoffs and Major League Baseball playoffs do, you know, then we can have a conversation about it. Um, to dive into the ratings a little bit more, the Raw 50 plus rating, 1.05, AEW's 0.03. So Raw has a much older viewing audience, but the male 18 to 34 for Raw was a 0.69 compared to AEW at 0.48. NXT head to head drew a 0.17 in that demo. So the NXT audience is nearly two thirds older than AEW's is what that tells you. Rick, do you make anything out of that? And how does NXT begin to fix it? Well, I mean, you're talking about that old regime that's just fixed into their ways, you know, where when you say wrestling, you just you immediately relate that to WWE. And and that's that's a fact of it. You know, if you got there and talk to casual people, they think pro wrestling is WWE. So and that's that old school. And, and those are the individuals that are, are locked into the WWE universe. Their their hip cool thing is NXT. So they're following it there. To get to what you're asking here, this bigger this bigger picture, uh, it's a company-wide issue, isn't it? Just not NXT to be able to get relatable to a younger generation that perceives them as the corporate machine? Yeah, the median age of a WWE fan is 52 years old. Let's get even more into that. I'm, I'm willing to bet anything when you look at the majority of WWE fans, you know, they're going to be like me. I'm, I mean, I'm a decade away from that, but... Uh, we're we're probably likely more conservative. We're, we're Trump supporters, so as a whole, the company has is seen as that conservative style. Where your AEW, we go, we probably go survey them. They're probably you know they 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 voted for Hillary, or you know they're they're feeling the burn. You know they're you know they they're on that that mindset. Uh, they're, they're the millennials. They're the progressives, if you will. It, it's going to have to take a complete change in the company philosophy and and really just reinventing the perception. And I mean, that is a, a very heavy task. 
Among men, 18 to 49, AEW 0.66 compared to NXT's 0.29. Raw drew a 0.96, just for context. Uh, adults, 18 to 49, both men and women together. AEW drew a 0.46 compared to NXT's 0.22. Raw a 0.74 in that demographic. So AEW is basically right in the middle between where Raw is and where NXT is as far as the demographic goes. When we're talking about reaching these demographics and trying to retarget, reinvent yourself, you know, you really look at the people who truly represent these companies. And when I look at individuals like like Cody or uh, the Young Khan or the Bucks or Kenny, they look cool. For these kids, they, they look like somebody they could relate to. On the other hand, you, you get old man McMahon, who everybody just thinks, you know, for, for wrong or right, just thinks he's batshit crazy. He's over the hill. He's got to go. He's should be sent out to pasture. It's long overdue. But even, you know, even when he does pass it on and he does maybe move out of that, that figurehead position, do you really get that much of a of edgier or a better perception from Stephanie and triple H. I don't think they're any more relatable to this younger audience. Yeah. And as I look at this week's episode of NXT, this seems like it's going to be a much more regular like episode of NXT. We, we talked about how they loaded up that first week. It was basically a mini takeover this week, we have Leo Rush defeating Drew Gulak to capture the now rebranded NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And that was basically the biggest match on this show other than the main event, Walter defeating Kushida, who are two guys that if you're not a regular viewer of NXT, you don't give a damn about either one of them. I don't know how long this is going to be sustainable head to head against AEW. Uh, absolutely. It's. And I, 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 it was a tremendous, it was a great episode. Uh, some great action. But it's just uh, which, another episode of NXT. It's nothing that's going to catch anybody's attention if you're not already into it. And, and you're right. And, and that's the issue here. Um, it's, you know, you don't have that over the top glam. There's no real major selling points here. And to me, it, it's great you're introducing some people like this and some individuals that are hot in front of that full sale audience. I mean, they, they absolutely love Leo Rush down there. Uh, a great, great reception for for Walter, uh, and I, you know, I think it was great that he got the shine. And he's somebody who has some great star power for you. I, I know you're not an over the top fan of his, but you don't deny that he has great drawing power. People were gravitate towards him. My problem was as I was watching that match in particular, I was thinking, oh my god, they have to get out of full sale because that audience was ruining that match. You have the incredibly undersized white meat baby face Kushida taking on the biggest guy down there, six foot four, 297 pounds, and Kushida's like 5'9", 180, just absolutely pummeling this guy, and that fucking crowd is sitting there cheering him the whole freaking time. It's like, how is he supposed to get over as a heel? And what it does is, is you're talking about here, this isn't about in the bubble. You need to get away from that audience that's going to think that they own this product because when the way that that translates to, you know, regular Joe, uh, the casual viewer, it's confusing. Like, what, this isn't, why are they cheering this guy? I mean, this isn't the way that professional wrestling should work. 
you need to get away from that smart bubble. And we've laid it out there. It, they could tour this thing and be effective with it, and it would help, and it would go a long way in, in helping NXT catch up with AEW is to just do campus tours. Go right to the students. Go to that demographic. Go right to them because that's what this generation needs. We are in we're in an age of Amazon, Grubhub, uh, everything coming to you. Streaming service that the, you can have it anytime, anywhere you want. Binge watching. You need to come to them. We have laid it out here. Hit those campus tours. Get in their face. You know, make them relatable with you. That's a fix for them on so many levels. And it sounds like they are going to get out of full sale uh, starting in 2020. We'll, we'll see how that goes for them because this this could be absolutely disastrous for NXT if this does not go well. Well, in the, in the long run, could this put NXT under from what it is right now? I mean, could it have to just go all the way back to a true development? That's kind of my fear, you know, like, okay, so cool. They take NXT on the road. And all of a sudden, NXT is drawing ROH size crowds. Like, what does that do to NXT? Well, and and we've seen this before in WWE. Uh, use ECW for example. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be touring. We're gonna hit these different. You know, it's gonna be its own thing. We're gonna keep it, you know, true to the ECW theme. It's gonna feel authentic. And then six months after failure, 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 poor houses, poor ratings. Okay, now we're just going to tape it before SmackDown. Yeah, and it basically becomes 205, you know, and I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you wanted it to be its own brand. You didn't want it to be developmental anymore. Okay, well, now it's its own brand, and it's time to sink or swim. And I think things are going to get real interesting come about, you know, the end of the first quarter in 2020. And I do want to throw out there, I mean, it seems like we're being kind of negative. And even, you know, when we're jumping down, you know, what they're doing on the red and blue, we want it to thrive because it makes everything that we're doing that much more important. I mean, you know, as, as the talking heads here uh, at HittingTheMarks.com over at the Hami Media Group, hell, you know, if it's, uh, you know, with me with Hot Tag Wrestling, you want the WWE, WWE the, they are the leader in this industry. When they're on a high when people are really digging in, it's a trickle down effect. Everybody's, everybody's winning. And it, it, it's very worrisome that they could really swing and miss here with on quite a few levels. You know, and, and probably the thing that's the most frustrating to me is when people say, well, if you don't like it, just stop watching it. And it's like, don't you realize that that's roughly what 80% of their audience has already done? You know, like... That, that's why we're in the position that we're in, because 80% of the audience has just said, okay, I'll just stop watching. I, I, I've never gotten that. I, it, that always just kind of bugs me in anything, you know, like with sports. Oh, you just you sit there and bitch about the Bengals all the time. We just don't care. Don't watch. No, we're a fan. You know, we're invested. This is part of our life. We, we do we care. That's why we're complaining. We want it to be better. We want it to be better. It's okay to have these discussions. You don't have to just be force-fed and just take in everything they give you. Uh, hell, you know me, Shill Vickery Shill. I try to find the positives in it, but sometimes they damn them. They make it damn near impossible. Well, and the frustrating part is NXT was a good show. I enjoyed this as a show. Leo Rush defeats Duke Relact to capture that NXT Cruiserweight title. The match was awesome. 
Rhea Ripley goes out, squashes Aaliyah, jumps on the microphone, says she wants Shayna Baszler. The Forgotten Sons beat up the guys that look like men at work. I don't know who those two jabronis were. Cameron Grimes defeats Boa. Then Killian Dane comes out. You're wondering what's going on with Killian Dane and Cameron Grimes. Are they going to fight? Are they going to team up and be like the cavemen? Because I could see them as a bitchin' tag team. Roderick Strong and Swerve might have been the best match I saw this week. Then you get the involvement of Velveteen Dream and Tommaso Ciampa. Bianca Belair defeats Dakota Kai, which I did not see coming in any way, shape, or form. I'm absolutely stunned by that one. She jumps on the mic. She wants Shayna Baszler, too. So that means we're going to get Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley, and I'm fully on board to see that freaking match. Damian Priest and Pete Dunne next week, and then we get Walter and Kushida. Like, as a show, this was a good show. But if I'm not somebody that's not inside of that MXT bubble, why do I give a shit about any of this? Well, and, and you know, again, very little... Uh, you know, where, why is, why is this show not being centered around Finn Balor? Who is your crossover appeal to the, to the main universe? Well, they did run two different video packages about Finn's return to NXT. So that helps, I, I get, but why doesn't that. he have his return match announced at this point? I get that. Why isn't he not addressing the Why is he not live? I mean, I, I like the packages and all that. And I get that you, you only have so much time and you're trying to introduce all these other talents here, but let's, let's be honest. You got to have a focal point. You got to have that, that big star power in her and like it or not, that's Finn. Yeah. I just, I don't know why anybody who isn't already watching NXT would watch this show. That's my problem. Next week, we're going to get Tommaso Ciampa and Angel Garza. That's going to be freaking awesome. Donovan Dickhead versus Keith Lee for the rubber match between the two of them. Looking forward to that. And Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And if you're down t- playing Damian Priest, I think you're sadly mistaken because those vignettes they're filming aren't cheap. Very much so. You know, and that, that's a great preview. Uh, but, but as you said, if you weren't already on board, what does that preview do to get you hooked here? Uh, essentially, all this says to me is, they don't need $9.99 a month anymore because they're just giving me what I could get on the network for free on USA. Yep. And that's also part of my problem with AEW at this point. You know, at this point, I expected that I would be fully invested in Kenny Omega. We're two weeks into this thing, and I don't even know who in the hell Kenny Omega is. I also don't know a damn thing about John Moxley. Like, are we cheering John Moxley? Do we dislike John Moxley? Like, what's the personality of John Moxley? Kenny seems like he's losing his shit on BTE. But then when I watch Dynamite, it's completely disconnected from what's going on on BTE. So should I just stop watching Being the Elite? Like, does that just exist in a completely different narrative at this point? We're not getting any kind of character development aside from this undercard. And I understand you got to build the undercard, but we also got to establish our stars for the audience who don't know who in the hell they are. Well, oddly enough, weren't we the ones having this conversation a few weeks ago? You have to, you have to stay aligned here by what you're doing with your social media and what you're doing on television. You're going to confuse that core audience here. I love you bring this up here with, with John Moxley. To me, what they're really missing on in AEW is 
you need to come out here and redefine him and let us know who John Moxley is so that your casual viewer does not confuse him with Dean Ambrose. Because there is a very big difference between those two personas. And you don't want people to get settled in on, oh, yeah, Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose. No, you need to bury that. You need to get as far away from what they were doing in WWE and let people fully understand that this is a completely different beast, an uncaged animal in John Moxley. Private Party defeats the Young Bucks round one of the AEW Tag Team Tournament. Huckleberry, we called that one. Um, and I think this is probably for the best. But on the same hand, I understand what they're doing. Guys like the Young Bucks, guys like Hangman, guys like Kenny, they're putting everybody over. And I understand they're trying to establish new stars. The problem is the stars aren't even established yet. Nobody knows who the Young Bucks are. And if you're going to have them go out there and lose without any of that context, well, then why do I care about the Young Bucks? Absolutely. I mean, and I was a fan of this character because, you know, I really I'm a, a big supporter of the street of the street profits or private party. Sorry. <laughs> I could see I, where I, that would happen. I, I meant to do that. I meant to do that. Uh, I actually, and that's actually why I did like this match because it actually kind of separated those two for people that are making those comparisons. And, and I like that the, that they are establishing private party here. And it, I think you might be selling the bucks a little short. I, I think there is a, more of a, a general audience that is familiar with them. They didn't need this here, but you're absolutely right in your overall assessment that we got to establish who the top names are in this company outside of really right now. All they've, the only ones they've really done that with is Cody and Jericho. I mean, we know who they are, but what about the rest? What about those rest of those stars that you're going to build this company around? You think there's some of it in there that they're afraid of a backlash of putting their, the, the real inner circle over. I am. Yeah, and I get that because, I mean, there's a lot of people that contribute that to the fall of WCW, like when Nash took over as the booker. But that's not necessarily what's going on here either. You know, like at a certain point, especially like next week. OK, so what you mean to tell me Best Friends is going to go and take out SCU and we're also going to see the Jurassic Express take out uh, the Lucha the Brothers. Lucha. And there's two more. Hell, they haven't even been on TV yet. Like, why hasn't Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. been on TV yet? And again, I mean, what is their crossover appeal? How many people are going to recognize them? You have to tell the stories. You can't just expect that everybody's going to jump in in the middle of a soap opera and know what in the hell is going on. One thing that they did do very, very well was the Inner Circle promo. Chris Jericho goes out there and cuts one of the best damn promos of his freaking career, which, being Chris Jericho, I think is actually saying something. This was a fantastic promo. He puts everybody over what was not to like about this promo, other than, you know, oh, I don't like the people that are involved. Okay, well, then you just got worked. Absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was a home run. He hit, hit it right on the mark there. Uh, and Jericho just continuing to prove uh, that right now is some of his absolute best work, That, but he is in that upper echelon of all-time greats inside the world of professional wrestling. And his stock is still 
rising, which is insane at his age. Darby Allen defeats Jimmy Havoc to earn a title shot next week. Um, I don't know, man. Jimmy Havoc just seems like a mess to me at this point. Like something with Jimmy Havoc is just not connecting with a mainstream audience. But holy shit, do they love Darby Allen. So Darby Allen goes out there and he gets his ass kicked. And in the end, he ends up getting the win. He's going to face off with Chris Jericho next week. What's going on with Jimmy Havoc? This seems to be where he is one of those true darlings on the indie scene. I mean, anywhere you go, you, you check him out anywhere over in the UK when he's touring, uh, when he's working the indies here in the States. I mean, people actually, I mean, they go crazy for him. But somewhere, when you go to that next level, when you're going to the big boy promotions, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like the Kenny King, you know, issue. You look, it's, he's got all the tools in the world. You, you think it's going to work. It's going to be a star, but there's a disconnect. Is it like the same thing that happens with like B-movies? Like, is he a B-movie actor? You know what I mean? Where it's like something just does not translate to a mainstream audience with Jimmy Havoc. So you're saying like he's more like a straight to a DVD talent. Yeah, like he's like he's the top of the underground and he's great in that position. But something about like the mainstream, like because Jimmy Havoc can't be Jimmy Havoc on TNT. Jimmy Havoc is a fucking lunatic who is so over the top violent like, does that breed of violence just not translate to a mainstream wrestling product? Because Jimmy Havoc's going to take it too far. I mean, well, and even too, I mean, it's just not in, it doesn't, it's just not AEW. You can even see it in his MLW work. Yeah. It just, it's a, it doesn't feel, it feels almost more comedic than it does serious psycho crazy Jimmy Havoc. He's like the, uh, the shark NATO of pro wrestling. Yes. You know, like on, on the indie scene, I can suspend my disbelief that, you know, Jimmy Havoc is going to cut this fucking guy's whatever off, you know, but I know he's not going to do that on TNT. Just doesn't work. Britt Baker and Riho defeat B Priestley and Emmy Sakura. This was probably the biggest miss on the show. As far as the in ring work goes, I still want to see B Priestley and Britt Baker though. Like, we just keep building to this thing, and it's like we're giving away matches left and right, like John Moxley and Sean Spears, but I can't get Britt Baker and B. Priestley. Like, I'm still waiting for that real good women's AEW match. Well, you know, outside of maybe the, the miscues and just maybe the chemistry being off inside of the match itself, what really got me here is you're already downplaying your women's champion. This wasn't about her or that belt in any way. Nope. It was. It felt like a far second kind of story, or not even that they wanted you to think about it. Uh, that's what kind of turned me off to this situation. Emmy Sakura is great, but she just doesn't translate to an American audience because she's she's tagging with B Priestley, and B Priestley is clearly the heel in this situation with Britt Baker after pulling her out of that Women's Royal Rumble to eliminate her, right? And Emmy Sakura is out there pandering to the audience as much as she possibly can because she's Emmy Sakura. Like she was just miscast in this role as B's tag team partner. And just because Riho was in the match, John Moxley defeats Sean Spears. 
I don't know, man. This felt an awful lot like Dean Ambrose versus Ty Dillinger to me. Yeah, I, I think I would have stayed away from this at this point until you really, as, as we continue to say here, until you reestablish these individuals for this audience. Uh, this seems just like something that we would see on a, a regular SmackDown or something like that. Uh, and right now, I, I know there's some concern. I, I'm, I'm not in panic mode myself, uh, but I do begin to wonder about the direction of, of, of Spears. Yeah, it just after this Cody thing, because we, we haven't gotten any follow up. Like if Cody was just going to beat Sean Spears in that match. We needed a follow-up from Sean Spears going out making some kind of an excuse, going out trying to get some kind of a rematch, going out to establish who in the hell he is coming out of that program. And instead, it was just like they just pushed him right back down the card. Yeah, it was like, okay, thanks. Uh, we got we got what you, we needed, something for, for All Out. Uh, thanks for your time here. Now we're going to move you back down. And, and maybe this is what they want here. And this is why I'm, I'm not completely you know, in panic mode is because you start to wonder how long and how many losses before Tully puts his foot down because he expects excellence. You know, he's a horseman. And when you're a horseman, you're at the top of the game. You want the best of the best. How much is he going to put up with? And maybe, and that's where I'm thinking, maybe this is the story. This is what's going to kind of be the direction for him. And they're going to kind of go down that path and then turn things around, hopefully, if they're going to keep those two together. Because I love the dynamic. I love the pairing here. They look great together. I think Spears absolutely needs Tully at this point for that credibility. As you're making that transition, remembering him from WWE to what he is now in AEW. So I, that's why that's why I'm still interested there. But, man, to see him go down clean like this, uh, especially coming off with no follow-up with Cody, that – that's a, a little bit of a reason for concern in his direction. The problem is Sean Spears shouldn't have been in that match. Sean Spears had absolutely nothing to do with this match. This match was about John Moxley getting the win. Kenny Omega coming out, facing off with John Moxley. So evidently we're going to get some kind of a stupid hardcore match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley, which I don't want. I just want a regular fucking wrestling match and then pot coming out and hitting Kenny Omega with the chair. Like that's what the whole story was about here. It had nothing to do with Sean Spears. You could have had jungle boy. You could have had Marco stunt. You could have had Christopher Daniels. You could have had anybody in that same position. It didn't have to be Sean Spears here. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So next week on AEW Dark, we're going to see Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela in a unsanctioned match that evidently goes for about a half hour. Rick, what are we doing with Kenny Omega? Because at this point, Kenny Omega feels like he's Sean Spears. Uh, They're not defining him as one of your true stars. They're They're just relying on the hope that people recognize him. And this, this screams WWE booking to me that, okay, whenever we want to flip the switch, then you're supposed to get on board. It doesn't work that way because what you're doing now is you're laying groundwork for how people feel. We, we can't get invested here. We were putting over the idea of, of the AEW dark. We love it. We love it. As long as they remain Canon, they don't go crazy with this thing. But let me ask you this. I mean, is it that show that important? To put to highlight a match like this, I mean, wouldn't this this screams television to me? You would think, 
And I mean, if these two guys are having an unsanctioned street fight, basically, why in the hell isn't there any heat between them? What's Kenny Omega's issue with Joey Janela? Why does Joey Janela want to have a match with Kenny Omega, let alone a street fight? You know what? You you very easily could have tied these two together uh, because you could have had, you know, Kenny out there talking about, you know, I need to prepare for this renewed battle, this war with Moxley. And he's trying to get, you know, some kind of familiarity with that style. And you do have the tie in. You know, you had the, the independent match that was incredible with with Janela and, and Mox. You could have Janela come in and say, "Hey, man, you want to you want to test yourself? You want to get ready?" And in in that cocky fashion, I got gotcha, you and flick a cigarette. You go know, get some heat going here. You could have easily built that in just a, a quick turnaround. Yeah, one one little promo. That's all it would have taken. And we haven't heard anything from any of these guys on a microphone yet. Then we have your main event, Jericho and Sammy defeat Dustin Rhodes and Hangman. And then, of course, all kinds of chaos breaks out. We have the inner circle beating down all the baby faces until the baby faces friends actually come out of the back to save them, which was so nice because we never see that happen in the WWE. And then we have Darby Allen building a little bit of heat against Jericho going into the matchup next weekend for the AEW championship. I like everything about the end of the show. I like everything about the beginning of this show. It was just some things got lost in translation in the middle. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's still overall a, a great show. And the big selling points, they, they were home runs. Uh, next week with, with Darby Allen, you're going to see, you're talking about people that are in love with him. You're going to see a, a star that is born. Jericho is going to make him look like a million bucks. Uh, he's going to hit the lottery next week. I'm really looking forward to seeing what those two can do together. The only thing I don't like is now this matchup has been turned into a Philly street fight because Jericho grew up from the mean streets of Winnipeg and Darby Allen. If you want to come at me, you want to hit me with a skateboard. I'll show you. I'll show you what it's like on the streets. So now we're going to have a Philly street fight. Um, I don't, I don't need this to be, I don't need this to be a regular thing. I don't need street fights. I don't need unsanctioned matches. Like, just give me two guys fighting over a prize. I don't need all this other bullshit. You know, one thing you did sell on, you did sell me on there, is I'm going to have a Philly cheesesteak for lunch when we get done here. Oh, that sounds so good right now. Dude, I'm going to put one over here. Uh, I sit here recording, recording at Harbor House in Northern Ohio. Their freaking Philly cheesesteak is an absolute bomb. I absolutely love it. it and it's hard. You know, if you get outside of really the authentic, going to Philly, getting an authentic one, it's hard to really find a really, really good one. They've got an awesome one here. Next week on AEW, this reads like it's going to be a really good show. Riho takes on Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship. Yeah, that's right. Same two girls that were in a tag team this week, won their match, didn't build any heat between them. But I am looking forward to the matchup. I'm sure that'll be good. Jericho versus Darby in the Philly street fight. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page take on Pac and John Moxley. That'll be an interesting matchup. Um, Pac and Mox tagging together. Rick, we, we, we've seen the creation of the inner circle. We have the elite. Are we going to start building factions inside of AEW like we have in New Japan? You put this over. I mean, you're you're big on the idea. You'd love to see kind of people just aligning themselves into these bigger groups. My only worry, as I mentioned to you, is when you see 
this North American, these Western audiences, when they are first getting turned on to New Japan, that concept confuses people to no end. It's so hard for them to grasp. But wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? Just because they're not used to it in in what we've been presented throughout our life is in professional wrestling. People like to cheer teams. I think there is a way that they can make this work inside of AEW. The Lucha Bros take on the Jurassic Express as part of round one of the AEW Tag Team Tournament. And then SCU takes on the best friends on the other side of the bracket to see who's going to face the Dark Order in round two. This looks like it's going to be a good show, man. Yeah, as I'm looking at the different... um you know, what they're pitching to us between the on the Wednesday Night War, NXT, and AEW. As I said, man, it, NXT looks great itself, but I think AEW just edges them out again for on the hype machine as we're heading into week three of the wars. Let's talk a little bit about the Tuesday Night Wars, because that's kind of a thing now. Actually, I, I don't even really consider these two companies at war, but it's nice to talk about. AEW on their dark episode, the the season premiere, 670,000 views as of the time I wrote this run last night. And NWA Power with 339,000 views. Rick, Billy Corgan and company have to be ecstatic with that number. Oh, I think so. And believe me, as we were talking about, you know, all the great programming we have through the week here. I was kind of, I was getting ready for the show this morning. I'm sitting there kind of thinking about how many hours of wrestling I am watching now in a week. And then even thinking about, you know, how many are we actually recording? How much is in prep time? How much of my life in a week's time is being dedicated to pro wrestling? I know you, yours is a little more now because of all the great, you know, having to produce the show and, and put everything together here. But it's an exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan because there's such great content out there outside of, you know, the red and the blue and for me, at the top of the list right now is this NWA Power Show. I absolutely love it. It's so fun to watch. You can get involved with it. it. It's short. It's sweet. It's fun. It's exciting. Love the old school feel. It takes you back in time. Love, absolutely loving what Coronet's bringing to the table. I know there's a big movement out there trying to get him removed. Come on, get over yourselves, people. He is an absolute legend in this industry. You don't have to... You don't have to agree with everything he says away from the product, but it's absolutely gold right here. Loving everything on this show. And man, it, we were talking about the pressure Shar at the top of the show. Man, I got to say, Camille's giving her a run for her money as the absolute goddess in pro wrestling. Um, I thought Power was a fun show. Um, I don't think it's going to become destination watching for me, though. Um, it's just not my flavor. And that's okay. I thought it was a good show. It's just not my flavor. To me, work rate is more important than the promos. I think the NWA has the best talkers inside of the business. Nick Aldis's promo off the top of that show was freaking fantastic. Eli Drake goes out there, cuts himself a killer freaking promo. Cowboy James Storm is born for that company. I mean, he, he'll go out there and he's like Randy Orton. He'll give you that real solid three-star match at the kind of the top of his ceiling. But if you're going to give him a microphone and ask him to talk for five goddamn minutes, he will sell you whatever in the hell he wants. The best talkers in the world are in the NWA. It's just not my flavor of wrestling. And I don't know if that retro feel, like I think it's cool for a one-off. Like I enjoyed it at the pay-per-view. I don't know if I could watch it every week. Like to me, this show 
becomes championship wrestling from Hollywood. Like championship wrestling from Hollywood is a very, very similar setup to what the NWA is doing just in a more modern style. And I love the hell out of that show. I'm just not sure that the retro vibe is really what I'm looking for when the smorgasbord of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, with me, this is one of the things where we different. This is our different flavors. Uh, so this is right up my alley. As I said, I absolutely love it. I think what's really funny here, um, you know, this isn't really a big spoiler because, but we are getting a program. If you go back one year ago, what you and I were talking about, what would be the money, the money shot, the money program for NWA, what they should do, especially in this style. Now that we're getting is they could build a modern day flair versus dusty kind of program. And we're getting that there with Aldis and storm. Yeah. They're they're so different. They represent those two different like that we saw in the past. You know, the working man. Everybody can relate to James Storm. You know, going out and having a couple beers, kicking back, having a good time, kicking some ass. Then he got all this. You know, he was he's the proper champion, and he's he's got all the flair, all the flash, everything going for him. He's he's got the the muscle, the big gorgeous women whooping. You know, those two are going to mesh here, and we're going to get that program. I think that's going to be a big hit. I think that's going to be a tremendous selling point to keep viewers coming back each week for, for this program. And absolutely, for me, this is must-see wrestling each week for me. So AEW Dark 670, NWA Power 339, MLW only pulled 42,000 views this week, Rick. That one hurts because I think that's a great show too. Absolutely. Uh Big main event this week. Yeah, big like, main event. And nobody's talking about it. Like, it just seems like it's kind of on the back burner, you know, very much like ROH. ROH is kind of in that same place right now where, I mean, we're going to talk some ROH numbers here that are just freaking astounding. Why is, why is it escaping me? You had, you had Pillman and who in that main event? Um, Crap. It was, too, I mean, it was a big, big names. You wanted to watch this thing, uh, but we had talked regularly about this. It would be here on Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast Monday in the locker room, Tommy Media Group. Yeah, Austin Aries versus Pillman. I mean, that should be you should be seeking that out. Um, but all the excitement right now that's happening in the world of professional wrestling, you see, you know, New Japan and the expansion gearing up towards. I know we got King of Pro Wrestling we're going to talk about, but gearing up ultimately towards Wrestle Kingdom. All the excitement, you know, got different talents coming in and out. You've got everything that happened with WWE and the move to, with the networks and all that. You had NWA. You got Impact making a move. You got AEW launching. In all that excitement, MLW and Ring of Honor really didn't do a whole lot. They, they, they didn't really stay, you know, make any kind of major moves that keep you you know, keep them in the conversation with everyone else. And I guess, obviously, these numbers are a reflection of that. Yep, absolutely. That, that really stood out to me. Um, let's talk about Ring of Honor. Glory by Honor coming up tonight, actually, on Honor Club. Uh, but, Rick, there, there's some bad news to report when it comes to ROH. There's a lot of media outlets that are reporting now. Death Before Dishonor drew less than 800 pay-per-view buys. The peak attendance for the live crowd was about 900, but it's basically been reported that ROH was giving out tickets for the event out at Sam's Club. These numbers mean that since June, in a three-month period, ROH's pay-per-view buy rate has dropped by 77%. 
Now, you can't blame the elite for this because they were gone already. But since June, down 77%. Now, I don't know any company on the face of the planet that could report a 77% drop in business and not have head start rolling. Is that what needs to happen at ROH? Like, does upper management, the whole creative team, everybody involved just need to go? And I think, you know, the, the bigger issue here is, and maybe you can speak to this before I jump into what I, what I think the problem is. What is their safety net with Sinclair? I mean, how is the perception inside the company? Do you have any gauge? I mean, what's the pulse there? I haven't heard anything about ROH from anything in her office since MSG. And it seems, obviously, look at this numbers. That's the dip. All the excitement built around Madison Square Garden, the super show with New Japan, and all the hype that they had there. And you talk about somebody... I mean, it's, I mean, it's just like a groundhog. They just went back in their hole and hit and they've done nothing coming forward. And when it comes to the product itself, ultimately, what is there to get invested in? We regularly complaining that they're not giving us intriguing stories. There's nothing that no reason to show concern because they're just arbitrarily out of nowhere. They hand out these championship matches. They are operating like a true indie promotion. Like that they're running shows every six months where they don't have time to build stories. So you should just show up for pure wrestling. Problem is with those indie shows that do that, they work because they bring in like a big name, a big star that's going to be a hook that that you're going to recognize. You're going to want to go see. They don't do that there. And just kind of goes back to, you know, to the, the conversations, the debates that we would have with Billy Ray Valentine that, you need characters. You need storylines. Pure wrestling is not going to sell on that level. And you're seeing that with Ring of Honor. And this reads as a good card. That's the worst part. I mean, on paper, this looks like it should be a good show. But there's no heat anywhere on the card. And nobody cares about any of these matches. Alex Shelley is going to take on Jonathan Gresham. The Briscoes versus Luke and PJ Hawks. The only people that care about that are the people that have seen the storyline develop between these two teams. And all those people live in Mexico. PCO versus Dalton Castle. That's part of a number one contenders tournament. Jay Lethal versus Marty Skrull. The other side of the number one contenders tournament. That battle royal winner. He's going to face off with Roosh for the ROH World Championship. Kelly Klein versus Angelina Love. That one actually has a story. I was going to say, the only one one with some some heat on here that you should be invested in. And then there's Lifeblood versus Villain Enterprises, who seem like they are basically Israel and Afghanistan. They've been fighting since the beginning of time, and nothing is ever going to get them to stop. Uh, And yeah, it's to the point where you no longer care. Yeah, we've seen this match in many different concoctions way too many times. Uh, this, these two remind you, you're talking about, you know, fighting forever. Why should we care? Dan and spending some time down and promoting the hot tag show down in Cincinnati the last two weeks. Uh, Cincinnati has had 255 shootings this year. Holy Yet every shit. time they have one, every time they have one, it's breaking news, breaking news. No, it's not breaking news. There's been 255 of these in the year. 
Uh, how about breaking news when you tell us there isn't one? That's how I feel about how I feel about Lifeblood versus Villain Enterprise. And as a shooting victim yourself, you, I mean that really resonates. You know, let's talk about King I'm a Pro Wrestling. <laughs> let's talk about King of Pro Wrestling, uh, Rick. This show is supposed to happen on Monday, uh, Monday morning our time. Um, I don't know if this show is going to happen. There is a typhoon hitting Japan as we speak, and the eye of this typhoon is 55 miles wide. This storm literally is covering the entire island of Japan, and this is the worst storm to hit Japan in 60 years. Uh, Stardom is canceling shows. I believe DDT had a show this weekend that they have canceled. Like it's to the point where do not leave your homes is uh, basically what's being reported. If you have not evacuated, do not leave your home. Um, no flights going in or coming out of I Japan. Just, I was just going to kind of ask you, you know, what's what's the status for people like Juice or like Moxley? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what is going to happen. This is Typhoon Hagabus, and it's completely fucking up. New Japan's king of pro wrestling. I'm not very happy about it. Uh, this sounds like one hell of a typhoon. They best better hope that earthquake doesn't show up. Yeah, no shit. The, the positive note, I have to assume, uh, typhoons are a fairly regular thing. I mean, it's, it's like a hurricane hitting the United States, of course. I have to assume that the construction of these buildings has been updated to withstand a lot of the storm, but it sounds like this is a nasty storm, man. The the worst storm to hit Japan in 60 years. Wow. Uh, you know, overall it's, it, it's going to be disappointing to lose the show here. They'll reschedule it, but yeah, you just want the best for the individuals and everyone to be safe. Uh, you know, especially the performers and all that, but all the citizens, everybody over there. The only thing that I can imagine is that the gods do not want to see Jushin Liger and Minoru Suzuki square off and murder one another. And Rick, that is exactly what they have said they are going to do to one another at King of Pro Wrestling and Raya Goku. The word murder has been used by both men. I don't know what in the world is going to happen here. I don't even know if we're going to get Kishin Liger. We might get the man underneath all of this because Suzuki has been calling for Yamada. He's calling out Jushin Liger by his God-given name at this point. We might see the man behind the mask take on Minoru Suzuki in what is basically going to be a Japanese death match. Now, you think that the typhoon's going to cause some destruction? <laughs> Wait till these two eventually get old of one another. That's what I'm saying. The gods are even like, this match cannot happen. We cannot have this matchup. I don't know, man. This thing is going to be intense. I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of scared about it. I don't know what to expect from it. This is the most exciting thing going on in the world of professional wrestling to me. This puts a smile on my face. I enjoy chaos, damn it. And not the stable. I do like the stable. Will Osprey belongs to Chaos. He's going to take on El Phantasmo from the Bullet Club. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to this match, too, because there is certainly a history between these two guys going all the way back to the UK. Will Ospreay brought in Phantasmo. Phantasmo said, fuck you, Ospreay. I'm joining the Bullet Club. He's got a terrible attitude. He's super cocky. He thinks that he's Prince Devitt, but he's not. Uh, I'm looking forward to this matchup. But, Rick, the bigger question here, does Will Ospreay lose this title? and officially become a heavyweight because I think that's kind of what everybody is expecting. Well, I think, you know, they've been expecting this for a while. I still think he's going to continue to float between these two. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting him to drop here. I expect him to retain at least through wrestle kingdom. Uh, John Moxley. That's, that's what I was thinking. At least finish out the year kind of going back and forth before making that full jump in 2020. He, he's going to have a big match at Wrestle Kingdom, I think. We'll talk about it here in a second. It's the big close. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, John Moxley and Juice Robinson going to face off for the IWGP United States Championship. I assume this means that John Moxley will not be at AEW this week, which is kind of disappointing. That is a very long flight to make between uh, Monday morning and Wednesday evening. Um, it's doable. Assuming that he can even get into Japan right now, uh, and I assume that Juice is kind of in that same situation. Kota Ibushi is going to face off with Evil. Evil beat Ibushi inside of the G1 Climax, so this is for the uh, the right to challenge the champion at Wrestle Kingdom. Get himself into that kind of four-way group that we got going on right now. And then we have Okada versus Sonata for like the 814th time this year. Uh, Okada is going to beat him again, too. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with Sonata. Did you see that picture of him at the contract signing? He was like wearing his sister's bright yellow freaking pants. What the hell was that all about? Dude, uh, kind of channeling a little bit of Cam Newton style there. I don't know if they got the same style as going or what. Oh, that was that was something else. Kind of going to whip that ass. Uh, which, which brings us then to Power Struggle. Uh, Rick, we have the, the junior tag league is getting ready to kick off and there's no LIJ team inside of the junior tag league because there's only one junior inside of LIJ right now. And his name is Bushi. And I know Bushi eats all the pins, but you know, he does need a tag team partner. Couldn't find one. No LIJ representatives on the road to power struggle. Carly asked me the other day, when the hell is Hiromu coming back? I got to thinking, Hiromu debuted at Power Struggle. I think that's where it's going to happen. I think Hiromu is finally on his way home, and hopefully that means we can get Hiromu Takahashi versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom for Mr. Belt. Uh, very nice. Love love what you laid out there. Doing the homework, doing the research, linking the history, setting up yet another big match. For Wrestle Kingdom. Japanese love that shit, man. They're all about anniversaries and debuts and, and certain dates holding major significance. That's where Hiromu's coming back. He's coming back at Power they love, Struggle. They, they love everything except for whales and dolphins. And typhoons. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Visit our friends over at lastwordonprowrestling.com. Maybe they've got some breaking news about where some of these big free agents have signed when it comes to Raw and SmackDown. 
You can find RBV and I this Monday over in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Hopefully we'll be talking about King of Pro Wrestling as well as some glory by honor. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? You know what I really want with Baron Corbin in this whole draft thing? Uh, I want him to like start complaining that the WWE won't approve the, the singlet he wants to wrestle in and that he has like frostbite and just forces his hand to get sent to the other brand. But, uh, I, I, I'm trying to make some sort of sense of this thing still. still my, my head is just spinning over this WWE stuff. But anyway, yes, we are uh, two weeks away from today, Saturday, October 26th. Danny B's Lounge on the outskirts of Harrison, Ohio, in a little area known as New Baltimore. It is hot tag wrestling. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be bringing it to you. We're bringing back the attitude. It's the Wild West of pro wrestling. So anybody out there that's interested in uh, you're in the area, want to make the trip? We've, we've got a, an incredible lineup. Casey Lennox from MLW taking on Jocelyn Navarro. We can, you're gonna see him coming up on Impact Wrestling. Legendary Larry B taking on. Uh, Huge staple here in the region. Tremendous talent. Keep your, keep your eye on Ricky Cardinal. We've got the crazy Eds. We, we got, we're bringing in the midgets. we got so much. we got the high flyers, the depth of flyers, the super heavyweights. So much going to be going on. It's going to be an incredible show. If you're interested in tickets, uh, go ahead and you can drop me a line anywhere on social media. At the real RPV or, hey, send me a text. Send me a call. 513-227-6504. Top tag. Hot Tag Wrestling, live, Danny B's Lounge, Saturday, October 26th. It is going to be hot. New Baltimore? Baltimore wasn't a big enough shithole they had to build a new Baltimore? I can't remember the comedian. They were talking about how all the uh, the Mexicans coming across the border. And there's, there's a comedian's talk, and he's like, what did you expect? They're looking around at Mexico, and they're like, this is a shithole. And then someone's like, hey, they made a new Mexico. <laughs> We'll talk to you Monday inside the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy!
that guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah.